0: He will continue to be with us, and if we we'll let him, amen. I'm thankful for that, and that kind of leads us right into something. I want to, I'm not going to, I've learned to not apologize for preaching God's word, especially to this crowd. But I am going to warn you that today's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to take a risk, Doug. Um, I've been praying about whether or not this was the approach to go with, but. I think your word confirmed it that I'm going to take this risk and so would you buckle your seatbelt? Would you hang on? Would you be open to what God has to say to us this morning? I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Matthew 26 is where we're going to be in just a moment. We've been talking about the forgotten virtues in our world today. We've talked about honor, we've talked about gratitude. Last week we talked about integrity. And as I've been preparing and preaching these messages, I've, I've wondered to myself, if we were to go and take a poll of all of the people around us in this community, and maybe even if we got real bold and we went everywhere and took a poll, would these really be forgotten virtues? Are these virtues really problems in our society today? It's a reflective question. It's a question that caused me to think about it a little bit longer. But I thought, you know what? I I don't have time to go out and to canvas the whole neighborhood and find out and do a survey. But I can do it with you this morning. So let me ask you this question. The virtue that we want to discuss today is loyalty. How many of you here today would raise your hand to say that in our world today, in our society, in our culture, loyalty is a problem. Would you raise your hand? Just raise your hand. All right, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. Hi, high, like you're proud of it. Yeah, thank you, thank you, okay. So we would agree that loyalty is a problem in the world today. How many of you here today would say, honestly, you feel like you're a loyal person? Would you just raise your hand? Keep keep them up. Hold them up. Hold them up. Look around. Look around. Okay. I want I want some accountability today. Every there's a lot of hands. Almost every hand is up. Good. Good. You can put your hands down. So today, in our world today, we know we realize that loyalty is a problem. Disloyalty is an issue. We're basically loyal people. We just raised our hands and decided that. The reason I think this is a forgotten virtue in our world today, though is because disloyalty is difficult to see in the mirror. Disloyalty is difficult to see in the mirror. The reason disloyalty is so hard to see in the mirror is because that we primarily, if we're honest with ourselves today, Jonathan, I'm going to switch over to this handheld again. If we're honest today, we're really loyal to ourselves. We're really worried about if I can take care of me, if I can get what I need out of this. And so we look in the mirror and we think, yeah, I'm a loyal person, but really we're loyal to who we're looking at in the mirror. So as we look at God's word to find an example of loyalty, we turn to Matthew 26. And what an incredible story this is. I want to read a couple of these verses, and then I want to talk about the story a little bit more. Matthew 26. I'm going to begin reading with verse 33. A little bit before this verse starts, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says to them, tonight all of you will desert me. And he quotes some Old Testament passages of Scripture. And then we pick it up in verse 33. He says, but Peter declared... Even if everyone else deserts you, I never will desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all of the other disciples vowed the same. You see, as we go on in this story, Jesus is arrested that very night. He's taken away by the guards and, and there's, a, there's a little scuffle that goes on and as you read the story, I encourage you to go and read the rest of the story um, as Paul Harvey encourages you to do as well. Um, you go and you read the rest of the story. Jesus is arrested and they're take, they take him away and he begins to go on trial and the disciples do scatter just like the Old Testament tells us. But Peter follows along at a distance. And we see that Peter walks into the the high court of the, the courtyard of where Jesus is on trial. And somebody notices Peter and says, I think you were with him. I think I've seen you with him. He says, no, no, I'm not who you think I am. Then, as you go a little bit further, he, he continues on in that evening as they're going through all that's going on with Jesus, and he's still kind of watching from a distance. And another servant girl comes and says, Yeah, you're one of them. I've seen you with him. No, I'm not. I don't even know him. So, as they go on about the night, and they go, and we see another time where Peter is huddled around a fire with other guards as they're waiting to see what happens to Jesus. He begins talking and somebody hears him talk and they say, wait a minute, I can tell you're one of them because you have the same accent. He says, no. And he curses this person. He says, I don't know the man. And as soon as he says it, the Bible tells us. The rooster crows. The rooster crows, and immediately Peter realizes and remembers what Jesus said to him. And the Bible says that Peter ran away and wept bitterly. Wept bitterly. You see, this story and this virtue are hard for us to swallow because I believe this. True loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. It's easy for us to say we're loyal. It's easy for us to raise our hands in church. Yes, we're loyal. We're loyal people, but it's true loyalty that is proven, not proclaimed. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6 says, Many will say that they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? There's a story of two great baseball players. Their names were Pee Wee Reese and Jackie Robinson. And I have a couple pictures here. Here's Pee Wee Reese and Jackie Robinson. Pee Wee Reese played shortstop for the Brooklyn Dodgers and Jackie Robinson played second base for the Brooklyn Dodgers. 1947 is when this photo was taken. And Jackie Robinson, for those of you that don't know, was the the first uh, African-American that was um, playing Major League Baseball in the National League. And everywhere they went in this era of our country, Jackie Robinson was treated very, very poorly, to say the least. But his best friend on the team was a white man by the name of Pee Wee Reese. Aren't you glad when you go into a fight, you got your best friend whose name is Pee Wee? Yeah. I'm sure Jackie just loved that. But anyway, they were, they were great friends, teammates, They became to be brothers, and there was a movie that was made about them. It was really good, but one of the things that happened, they were in Cincinnati playing the Reds, and the fans began to do unthinkable things and began to throw things on the field while the Dodgers were in the field. So they're throwing them onto the field, not even while they're in the dugout. They couldn't even get away from it by coming to the dugout for a risk of getting hit with batteries and food and bottles and so many other things. And so what happened was, in the midst of all of this, Pee Wee Reese takes his glove and he throws it on the ground. He walks over to his best friend, Jackie Robinson, and he simply puts his arm around this African-American. And the crowd went completely silent. They stopped throwing things. They stopped Saying those things, they just went completely silent, all because of one simple act. Peary Reese put his arm around his friend. It was so monumental that they created a monument. This statue still stands today, the statue of loyalty, if you will between two great friends that would argue that loyalty is something that lasts forever. Loyalty, what is loyalty? Loyalty and it the, the, the really means to wholly trust or believe in, to be permanent, unwaveringly faithful. You see, we need to realize today that loyalty is not something we can just say. It must be proven. It must be proven. Another story from Scripture that maybe we're not so familiar with about loyalty comes from Second Samuel. Again, I would encourage you to go read the whole story. I'm going to paraphrase it for you today. We're in a place in Second Samuel in the story of King David where one of his sons, Absalom, his third son, has been sent off because of actions that he's done. He's been sent off to another part of the country, to the, another area, and he begins a rebellion against his own father. And Absalom, he, he garners all of these people and they're making this, this ploy to go back to the king, his dad, and overrule his reign as king so that Absalom, his son, can be king. That's not loyalty. Anyway, as the story goes on in 2 Samuel, we see that David gets wind, that these people are coming back, this army is coming back to fight, and he begins to rally his own troops, or his army begins to rally. And we pick this up, and there's one of David's men, commander in his army, that does something to show his loyalty. His name was Ittai, Ittai. And in 2 Samuel 15, 19 through 21, we read this. The king said to Ittai the Gittite. Let me stop right there. Ittai the Gittite. That mom wasn't thinking too clearly, was she? Ittai the Gittite. Maybe it was the dad. I, I don't know. But Ittai the Gittite, why should you come along with us, David said. Go back and stay with King Absalom. You see, these people had come from where Absalom was and they were coming to fight, but David was at a place where he didn't know who he could trust. He didn't know who he could trust. And we, and we read this. He says, go back and stay with King Absalom. You are a foreigner an exile from your homeland. You came only yesterday. You arrived only recently. And should I force you today to wander with us? I don't even know where we will go. He says, go on back and take your kingsmen with you and may the Lord show you his unfailing love and faithfulness. But Ittai said to the king, I vow by the Lord and by your own life that I will go wherever my Lord the King goes. No matter what happens, whether it means life or death, there your servant will be. He was willing to die for somebody, he was loyal. So we already established most of us are loyal people today. We raised our hand. We testified to it. So I think I've got to go another direction with trying to get this this virtue to be understood by us today. If we're all loyal people, then I think we need to look at some things from a different point of view. And I think we need to look at some opportunities for us to be disloyal. Hold on one second. So, we need to look at ways today, since we're loyal people, we need to look at ways to be disloyal. Okay? We need to see what the Bible says about being disloyal because we got this loyalty thing down. We don't need any help with being loyal, we got it down. So, let's look at some ways that some opportunities we have to be disloyal. Okay? The first one is this it's very easy. We can be disloyal to our spouse, very easy. Probably one of the easiest ones we got here. We can be disloyal to our spouse. You see, if we've got this loyalty thing down, you know, we look at God's word in, in Malachi. It says this, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? So guard your heart, remain loyal to the wife of your Why? Why? This is just some old text way back that we it doesn't even apply to us anymore. Why do we have to listen to this? It says, for I hate divorce, says the Lord. Well, who cares? Divorce happens all the time. You must not hate it too bad, right? To divorce your wife wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty. So guard your heart and do not be unfaithful to your wife. So it's easy. Let's be disloyal. Let's start with our spouse. Let's start with our spouse. Let's be disloyal to our spouse. And in order to be disloyal to our spouse, here's what you've got to do. We've got to commit adultery. That's the that's the that's the ultimate way to be disloyal to our spouse. Is we just go and we commit adultery. The the facts are this: 40 to 60 percent of people already do. Wow. Well, that's a big one. That's a big one. Uh that's not one that I want to do because that breaks God's law. And I, I don't want to do that because that's a that's a big one. That's a God's law thing. I don't want okay. Well, then let's just get divorced. Let's just get divorced. Let's just be disloyal to our spouse. Let's just get divorced. It gets tough, let's just quit. Let's just quit. You know what? No, the, you know the Bible tells us we, that God hates divorce. That's if I'm going to believe that a little bit or ride the fence on that, I can't do that. I can't. I can't go to divorce. Okay. Well, then here's an, e- an easier way for us. We can all do this one. Husbands, pay attention. Okay, this is an opportunity to be disloyal to your spouse. Tear your spouse down by using humor. Tell jokes that make fun of her. Tell jokes that, that put her down. Be disloyal to your spouse. But here's, I'm not going to leave you out, wives, okay? You've got a chance to get back at him, okay? Here's how you do it. Belittle him in front of your kids. Oh, if you were a godly man as you say you were, you'd provide better for us. Oh, pastor talked about honoring. I'm not going to honor you. I'm going to be disloyal to you by belittling you in front of our kids. It's easy. Be disloyal to your spouse. You see, there's many other ways that we can be disloyal. Are you still with me? Still with sarcastic pastor? You following along? Still awake? Everybody say yee-haw. Yes. All right. Still with me. Here's the second one. You can be disloyal to your friends. We can be disloyal to our friends. Well, how do we do that? It's easy. You know, we, this, this, the Bible tells us this as well. And Proverbs 17, 17, it says a friend is always loyal. (laughs) Yeah, right. And a brother is born to help in a time of need. (laughs) I have a brother, yeah. Mm -hmm. Why should we listen to this? No one seems to follow what the Bible says anyway. It's it's these crazy sayings that it's full of things, right? So we should be disloyal to our friends. How do we do that? Here's, Here's the way we can do it in the church, okay? We go to small group tonight. We go to a small group and we start listening to our friends talk. And then guess what? We go home and we talk, about, we talk about them. We say what we really think about them. Can't believe they spend their money that way. Can't believe they raise their kids that way. We start to gossip about them. That's a way you can be disloyal to your friends. Or better yet, how about you listen to gossip about your friends? And don't say anything. Don't stand up for them. Don't defend them. That's how you can be disloyal to your friends. Or or here's another way. Maybe you see your your best friend going down a path of destruction for their life. Here's the best thing you can do. Let them go. Be disloyal. You're going off the deep end. Good luck to you. Woo, glad it's not me. We can be disloyal to our friends. You see, there's ways for us to be disloyal. If we're all loyal people, there's ways that we can fix that. You still with me? Still with me? Still awake? There's one more. Opportunity to be disloyal. We can be disloyal to Christ's church. Be disloyal to Christ's church. You see, in all of these scenarios, if it gets hard, we can just leave. Another way to be disloyal to God's church, capital C, But, you know, it's easy for us to talk about church as a capital C, all of those of us that believe in Christ, and we we go to church, and we're part of this big, big family of God, big C. But really, if we want to make it hurt, we we become disloyal to, to our local church, little c. So here's an opportunity for you to do that. Here's another way you can do it. You see, we we read in scripture and we say, you know what? I don't really want to do what, what they did in scripture. If I'm going to be disloyal to my church, I don't want to. I don't want to live like they did. They were they were all in. They were crazy fanatics about their church. I don't want to do that. You know the, the they tell us how they how they acted as that first church. You know I don't really want to live that way. In fact, I just want to add a little bit of Jesus to my life, and I, then I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be good. I'm a pretty loyal person. I just I just need to add a little bit of Jesus, but I don't want to add enough that I'm going to be weird. So how do, we, how do we do the opposite? Here's what Acts, the book of Acts says in the Bible. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Well, right there, I don't want to do that. I don't like how that pastor preaches. I don't need to listen to him. Nope, check, did that one. Fellowship, nah, I don't want to go to that outing. That I don't want to go to a group. I don't want to get involved. Nope, it's just not for me. You know, the breaking of bread and the and of prayer, you know, they have this thing where they get this Jesus juice and this Jesus bread and they they drink it and they say some weird things. Nope, not for me. Woo, done. I'll go and I'll sit in the pew and I'll just I'll just hang out. A little bit of Jesus in my life, I'll be good. Prayer, whoo, that's a big one. I don't want to risk my loyalty by talking to God. He might change my life. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Wow, I don't want that. What good would this world be if everybody agreed about everything? Right? What's fun in that? We had everything in common. Well, then it goes on. It's it's even more. It doesn't even stop there. Selling their possessions and good they gave to anyone as he had need. Hmm. I got to sell my stuff so somebody else can have a benefit and a blessing. And every day they continued to meet in the temple courts every day. The Bible says, don't forsake the gathering every day. I'm going to ask you a question and I don't want you to answer because I probably already know the answer. How many of you weren't in church last week? It's, it's, it's really simple. Why would I do this? Why would I meet together? But no, that's not you. We're, we're loyal people. Here's what I found out this week in studying this. It used to be that the average church attender, regular church attender, the average times that they went to church in a month was two weekends a month. That was the average for a church regular church attender. Guess what? There's new numbers out. There's new studies. We are so loyal to our local church, the average regular church attender goes to church now one weekend a month. Easy for us to be disloyal. I can fit into that category real simply. You know what? Here's a better way to be disloyal to the church. We can go and we can be consumers. What do you got for me? I'm giving you an hour of my time this week. Bring it on. Give me your best shot entertain me you know what I like their youth group better I'm gonna send my kids over there they tend to do a little bit better job with them the kids have more fun over there you know what I like the songs they sing over here I'm gonna attend worship to listen to their music over here because I like their music you know what I don't like the way he preaches so I'm just gonna watch online I don't even have to go in person anymore I'm going to watch online. I don't even have to go. I can just get what I need. And man, if I don't like what he's preaching about, I can just get online and watch another church that I can just take in what I want to take in. I'll just consume what I want to consume. That way, I don't have to get plugged in. I don't have to be committed. I don't have to give regularly. I can just go about my regular life and add a little bit of Jesus every once in a while. Oh, by the way, if somebody hurts my feelings at church, God forbid, I'll just quit. Especially that sarcastic pastor. I'm never going back there again. It gets hard. There's no reason for me to stick around. There's no reason for me to keep going. They hurt my feelings. I'm just going to leave. You see, when things get tough, folks, it's easy for us to be disloyal. And that, my friends, is how you live a disloyal life. that was the hardest way to preach that I have ever preached in my life. How do we... Why is this such a hard thing for us to get sometimes? We all raised our hand. We said we're loyal people. I think the reason it's hard for us to get this is because it's difficult to see disloyalty in the mirror. It's difficult for us to see disloyalty in the mirror. When we look in the mirror we think I'm a pretty loyal person. I got this figured out. But the reality is is that disloyalty is really just born out of a divided heart. It's a divided heart. We're basically loyal people. We all raised our hand. You looked around. You could go to anybody in here and say, yep, I saw you raise your hand. You're a loyal person. But really, if we're honest today, we're the most loyal to the person we see in the mirror. The person we see in the mirror. But here's God's perspective on all of this. I think this is really good. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he made it very clear. There was no sarcasm in his message. And he said to them, love God with all of your heart. In other words, you can't be divided. You can't love God with all of your heart and still love the things of this world. You know, when I was in the youth group, my youth pastor, he uh, he did something really cool and he said he was teaching about, about relationships. And I'll tell you this as a youth pastor myself later on, when you tell the teens you're going to teach about relationship, you are going to have a packed house. They want to hear what you're going to have to say. So we were just on the edge of our seat. I remember as a, a young, a young man that just, man, I liked girls. I wanted to know what God wanted for me in relationships. And my youth pastor had the gall to tell me, you know what, none of your relationships will be successful unless you give God your entire heart. And he did this illustration, and I didn't bring it with me, but it's you can envision this with me for a minute. We all have been born with one heart. One heart. You've been given one heart. And every time that you give part of your heart away, you're dividing your heart from God. Every time you take a piece, yeah, I really love the Cardinals. I'm going to give my heart to the Cardinals. I'm going to watch every game that I can. I'm even going to go down there and spend money and go to the ballpark and I'm going to just devout my time and energy and money to the Cardinals. That's That seems finicky. That seems trivial, but it's true, folks. I just love my hobby so much. I, I've got to get the newest and the greatest and the and the best so that I can be the best whatever you want to put there. For me, golf fishing, hunting, shopping, gardening, whatever it may be for you, you rip a part of your heart away. You're divided. And God's perspective on this is disloyalty is born out of a divided heart. I can't love God with everything because I'm still attached over here because I've given part of my heart away. I can't do it. I'm so thankful that God's word speaks to us, and I'm so thankful that we are loyal people here. James writes these words in James 4, 8, and 9. It says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Did you catch what that doesn't say? It doesn't say, come close to God, and God will run away and make you chase him. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Can you go back to that last verse, that last part, real quick? Let there be tears for what you've done, let there be sorrow and deep grief. I realize today that this was a hard message. I realize that it's easy for us to look in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm a loyal person. I've got this figured out. I realize that it's easy for us to walk out of this place and say, you know what, I don't need to mess with this. This doesn't apply to me. But I also know and I also recognize that as your pastor, I am incapable of producing that deep grief and sorrow that James writes about. No matter how I may deliver a message, no matter how I may be prodded by the Holy Spirit to speak his word to us as a people, I am incapable of causing that deep grief and sorrow. So the question becomes Is my heart divided? Is my heart divided? Am I giving God everything I have? Am I giving him all that I am? Am I surrendered to him? Or do I just want to sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on my life? How divided is your heart today? What have you chosen over God? What have you chosen over God? Here's the thing we must realize today. Just as Doug was saying. If we continue to live our lives according to our own strength and power. Some of us are pretty strong. Some of us are going to get pretty far. Some of us are going to be blessed in that. But if that's how we're going to live our lives, we will never live to the full potential that God has for us. We must realize today that if we're going to come after God and God, God comes after us and we allow him to come into our lives, he's going to begin to reveal where our division in our heart lies. And my prayer today would be that it drives us to deep sorrow and grief. Well, Pastor, why would you say that? The Christian life is about prosperity and blessing and goodness. I believe God will bless us as Christians as we follow Him. But here's the thing. If we don't repent and aren't sorrowful for the things that we've done, if we don't have God mend our hearts, then we're missing something. The call to the Christian life is not a call to a better house and greater things and nicer life. The call to the Christian life is suffering. The call to the Christian life means we got to go out into an evil world and take a stand. The call to the Christian life means that I can't go out there in my own power or I'm going to fall flat on my face. So God, I'm coming after you. God, I think I'm a loyal person. I want to come after you with all that I have. No more division in my life. And here's the thing, folks. If we do that as individuals, it only has a trickle-down effect for all of us here. We all raised our hand. We're loyal people. But if we begin to give our hearts undivided to Him, wow the way maker that he will become, the miracle worker that he will do when we start living in his strength, in his power. Because when we come after him, he comes after us. He pursues us. He comes after us. He wants nothing more than to be so close to you. You can smell his morning breath. Did you get that? How divided is your heart? What have you chosen over God? I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. We're going to sing a song here in just a moment. What next steps can we take to become more loyal? What next steps can we take to become more loyal? As they're coming, let me pray for us. Lord, I just want you to have your way in this moment. God, if there's something in our hearts today that we're putting above you, that we're putting out there that's something that's not of you, but we're seeking after it and we're loyal to it and we're giving our heart to it, God would you reveal that to us would you would you cause us to have tears and deep sorrow for the things that divide us from you God in these next few moments would you give us courage to pray the prayer that David prayed search me God And know my heart. Reveal in me anything that is not right. Purify me, God. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. We're going to sing this song of response. And if you feel like you need to come and pray and you need to deal with God today, we want to open the altars and give you an opportunity to come and pray. Would you sing this as a response this morning? Would you sing with us?
1: Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for us. and free turn
0: To sing another verse of that. I just want you to, to remember those words of that chorus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Let's sing that second verse.
1: Through death into life everlasting, He passed, and we follow Him there. Although Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth
0: will grow
1: strangely dim in the
0: Father God, we come to you in this moment to thank you for what you're revealing to us. You're revealing to us today more than anything. God, if we come close to you, you will come after us. God, help us to give our whole heart to you. Help us to not be divided by things that may appear to be good, that may appear to be things that that are worthy causes, but God, may we give everything to you. May we be loyal to you. God, as we walk out of this place today, help us to live out opportunities to show that we are united with your will and your way for us. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. As you go, be respectful of those that are praying. Have a great day. God bless you.